Hello, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we experience life as friends with faith through encountering God, loving others, and making a difference in our community. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast where you can plug into Quest in person or online. Now let's dive into this week's teaching. Well, good morning, Quest. My name is Jeremy Shelley. I'm the family life pastor here, and I just want to welcome you this morning. We're, we're continuing our series, The Backyard Gospel, and today we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the story of the Good Samaritan. And one of the things that I think is really special about this particular series that we're doing is it, it's, it really starts to spell out a lot of the mission that we have here at Quest. If you're newer to Quest, you, you saw probably on your way coming into the auditorium above it, it said, uh, relationships or the mission. And, and um, that can be maybe a little bit confusing, maybe a little bit understated, but uh, I want to talk just briefly about that so that you understand what, what we mean by that. We think that the first relationship that we believe is so important in priority is our relationship with God. We, we think it's undeniable that we were created by an intelligent designer and we want people to find relationship and experience relationship with him. So that's the priority. The second thing is, is we know that, that you have many relationships that are a part of your life uh, that are, are just built into the things that you're doing, whether it's through marriage or children that you care for or parents or those kinds of things. And we want to help support those relationships because for them to be successful, they need to be healthy. And, and as a church, we want to provide resources to your family so that you can have meaningful, fulfilling, healthy relationships at the home. And then the third area of relationships that we see are the ones with our neighbors. And that's really what we're going to dig into today. The, the like, who are our neighbors? How do we, how do we care for those people? How do we, um, share the love of God with those people? And, and, uh, and we think that as, as a, as a church, it's such an important thing for us to be going outside of the doors of our church and loving the people that are in our community, that we live next to, that we work with, that we, that serve us at restaurants and, and all those those different relationships. And, and so we want to talk about that. We want to talk about how, do, how do we have normal and, you know, conversational relationships about faith and, and how do we love others in the midst of those. And so we're going to dig in today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up to, to the 10th chapter of Luke and we're going to, we're going to get there in, in a minute. This is why I think this is so important to me, this, this whole series. I was recently at a gathering of friends. They were, they were over at my house. It was just a bunch of guys and we were on my, my back deck and we're just talking and laughing and telling jokes and, you know, just being friends, being guys too. So we were doing guy stuff, you know, a little bit of laughing and scratching and um, farting probably. And, uh, and, you know, just having a good time. But as, as the, the conversation went on, it got a little bit serious. And, and one of the guys who was there, he doesn't attend our church. Um, we invited him to come. He's one of my neighbors. And, and he started talking about some of the things that were going on in his life. And I was so proud of my friends, some of them who attend here, how they were so caring in the midst of this moment willing to share their faith and, and, and in a natural way, a conversational way to, to support this, this friend of mine and pray for him and care for him. And, and, and I, I just, I thought this is exactly what I want 
all of our church to be doing. And I know that many of you are already doing it. I'm so thankful that we have such a a beautiful church community that can do that. But I I just want to challenge us as a church to be thinking about how do we get ourselves into these places with people, these relationships with people where we can talk about our faith in in a really conversational and friendly way and and, and have fun doing it. And so um, today is going to be a little bit of a challenge. And I say that not only like me challenging you, it's challenging me too. And so please don't feel like I'm, I'm wagging my finger at you today because I'm speaking to myself too. So, well, let's, let's start off here uh, as we, we get into the, to the story, the 10th chapter. And uh, this is the story of the Good Samaritan. Many of you are familiar with it. In fact, it's almost part of, it's like everyday vernacular for our country, for the world. In a lot of ways, almost every single news outlet has a Good Samaritan section in their news. You guys have seen tons of these stories. And, but I think as, as it's become so ubiquitous, the story of the Good Samaritan, that honestly, it's lost some of its power. And Jesus, as he was telling this story to his disciples and to the people that were listening to him, there were some things that he really wanted to share. And I think we've lost some of that. So today I want to dig in a little bit to the context of the story and talk about how it applies to us in our lives. And so we're going to be uh, starting in verse 25 and we're going to read through verse 37. So if you will read along with me, the words are on the screen, but I always encourage you, if you have your Bibles, to to, to underline stuff, to write questions, to make notes in your margins so that you can remember this uh, later on. And because I think there's some really powerful, powerful stuff for us here. So Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus teacher. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, context is, is really important for this story because a, a lot of it is lost on us, as I was saying before. And, and so in, in terms of how the, the rabbis taught, like the rabbinical method, what would happen is a teacher would sit down and start to tell the things that he knows about Scripture. And all the students would stand and listen to, to, the, to the rabbi as he was teaching. And then once the rabbi was finished teaching, students would recite back to the rabbi what they had heard as, as a way to confirm, yes, I understand this, I know this, this is, you know, it's part, part of that learning process. Now, what's happening here in this moment with this expert of the law is, is a little bit outside of the norm. In fact, what this, what this lawyer was doing was challenging Jesus, was, was tricking him, and, and, and so this was, this was a, a little bit different moment, okay? So he stands up to test Jesus, and, and this is how Jesus responds in verse 26. He says, what is written in the law, he asks. How do you read it? Now, this this expert of the law, this lawyer, uh, he would have had on his physical body right there a leather strap with a box that contained scripture in it. It's called a phylactery. And so when Jesus is saying, how do you read it? He literally meant, how would you pull that out of that phylactery on your wrist and read the scripture? And this is how the lawyer responds. He says, verse 27, love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So what this lawyer has just recited is a summary of the entire 
law in the Old Testament, something that he would have done two times a day. He was very familiar with with these two pieces of of scripture. And um, these two combined together are known as the great commandment. And and I think we hear this and and this is probably true for this lawyer, too. I think we hear it kind of like we hear the Ten Commandments and we think, okay, if I do all of these things, then I'm okay. I'm right with God. I'm good. Everything's fine. And and I have a feeling that's kind of what the lawyer was saying. If If I've got these two things covered, then then I'm good with you. Right. Or good with God. And, but there's a, a nuance here that I think sometimes we miss. And, and if you're taking notes, I, I encourage you to, to, to write this down. This is a point that I think we all need to understand. These two laws are not meant to be understood separately. They, they really they go together. It's not that we love God and love our neighbor. It's that we love God by loving our neighbors. So love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. And one way that you can do this is by loving your neighbor who's also like you. Scripture says, love the, you know, love your neighbor as you love yourself. What that means is your neighbor is just like you. And so, so treat your neighbor the way you would want to be treated. In fact, Matthew 25, Jesus says this another way. Verse 40, he says that whatever you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. It's kind of another way to say this, that, that we love God by loving our neighbor. As a youth pastor, I have the privilege of um, working with a lot of wonderful middle school and high school students. And, and I, I, like we are blessed as a church with the, the students that we have here, how much they serve and care for the needs in our church. And one of the, the premier ways that students get to serve is as a counselor in training at middle school camp. So our high school students, they get to go back and they get to serve the middle schoolers at this camp. And they love to do it. They're always asking me to do it. And I love it when they can do it. And, but recently as my, my job has changed, I've like, I have new needs for our, our students who are wanting to serve. I'm like, okay, I, I, you know, being a counselor in training is a great thing, but I really wish that you could help me out in the children's ministry because I've got some needs there. And um, by the way, if any of y'all want to volunteer in the children's ministry, um, come find me. I'll get you plugged in really fast. So um, I hear Jody down front saying, yeah, come on. That's right. Um, so I, as I say this to students, like, hey, here's, here's what, I, what I really need is, is um, you know, help me out in the children's ministry. And they're kind of like, I see their face kind of turn like, oh, you know what? I really want to do the, the middle school camp. That's what, that's what I want to do. It's like, I know, but here's the thing. If you really want to help me, the best way is by helping the kids. That's, that's actually helping me more. And, and I think in a similar way, that's what, that's what God is saying is, is if you want to love me, the very best way is to love your neighbor. That's, that's how you love me the most. So, so that's how you fulfill my command. God is saying. Verse 28, Jesus explains this more fully. He said to the, to the expert of law, you've answered correctly. Uh, Jesus replies, do this and you will live. But the lawyer, he wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now, the lawyer at this point, he's, he's kind of wanting Jesus to like draw a circle around the people that are his neighbor. He's asking, who counts? Who, who really matters? Who, who am I supposed to love? He's, he's trying to, to define this. Who's in? Who's out? Um, you know, and, and Jesus then responds with this story. And, and for, for the people who were listening, this story was pretty radical uh, because of some of the things that, that he said. And, and so uh, this is the story that many of you know. We're starting in verse 30. We'll read through this whole story and then we'll talk about it. Verse 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. 
They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going on the same road when he saw the man, and he passed by on the other side. And so too a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him, and he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And when he went, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Which of these three, Jesus asked, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert of the law replied, the man who had mercy on him. I want to point out something really quickly here. So there is, there is a, a huge amount of racism that Jesus is addressing in this moment. And the expert of the law, the fact that he can't say the Samaritan was the one who, who was the, the neighbor is telling in this moment. He can't even come to actually say that name, that ethnicity. He says the one, the one who had mercy on him. That's, that's a real big part of what's going on. So th- this story is really cool. And I, and I think we see applications for this in, in so many different ways. So let's, Let's take a look at, at just the, the whole situation that's happening here so that we can move from a casual reading to this to a much deeper reading of this story. So we'll begin with the road that the traveler's on. This road from Jerusalem, which is in the high country, that goes to Jericho, which is in, in the lone country, is known as the Bloody Pass. I've got a picture of it here so you can kind of see how treacherous this road was. It was very steep. It was about 18 miles long. And over the course of those 18 miles, the descent was about a half a mile down. Okay, there's twists and turns all over the road, places where uh, robbers could hide in caves and, and there'd be blind corners that when someone would come by, the robbers would come out, thieves would come out, bandits would come out and they would attack, they would rob, they would kill, they would steal. And um, it was a very dangerous road for people to, to travel. on. in fact, most people wouldn't travel alone. They would travel in groups in order to have more safety. And so when the listeners who, who Jesus was talking to, when they, when they heard about what he's talking about, they understood that this man was in a dangerous place. It, it didn't surprise them that he was attacked. It didn't surprise them at all that he was robbed or beaten or left for dead. Then we have these, the first two incidents of aid that might have come to this man who, who's, who's on the side of the road wounded. And both of the men, the first two, you have the, the, the priest and the Levite. And both of these are religious men. They're pious. They were the obvious choices for the heroes in this story. If there was someone that was going to do the right thing, you would think it was the priest. And if it's not going to be the priest, then it's going to be the Levite. Okay? These were, these were men who were on their way to Jerusalem to go work in the temple. They were on their way to go do the, the welfare work of the temple, which often was collecting ties and, and food and different things so that they could pass it out to the people in Jerusalem who had need. You'd think that the, the fact that they're going to do these things at the temple, that as they came across this person who had need, that they would help him, right? But they chose not to. They, 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 they passed this man on the side of the road. And, 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 and when I read this, I think, well, there probably was something going on in their lives. These men were called to ministry, they, they, they were born into families that, that were, that were of, you know, service to God. And so I, I imagine as a pastor that they, that they probably are a little bit disillusioned. Maybe, maybe some of the work that they're doing is, is frustrating. And so they're kind of like, oh, I just want to 
you know, just one less thing to deal with is so much nicer. I don't, truthfully, I don't, I don't want to speculate, but you know, they, they, they walked by. Now I, I kind of think about like, if I was in that situation, I think I would probably stop, you know, like that's, that's probably who I would be now. And I think a lot of us probably think the same way. And this is actually, there's a concept known as uh, illusory superiority. And this is where we think of ourselves more highly than we think of the people that are around us, right? We do it at work. We, we do it in, in all kinds of places. Like our neighbors, you know, we look at them and we say, I'm a little bit better than you. I'm a little bit smarter than you. I, I have better intentions than you, right? In fact, there's a, a psychologist at Cornell who studied this effect. His name is David Dunning. And, uh, and, and he says this. He says, we judge others based on external traits and circumstances, but we judge ourselves based on our intention, our effort, our desire, and our agency. Right? And I think this is true. I mean, we look around, we're like, I would do the right thing. I'm not sure you would, but I know I would. Even though we probably, well, I don't know. But I want us to take a moment this morning and actually assess, fairly assess for ourselves, how we might really handle this situation. Do, do we pass by the person on the side of the street who's asking for money or do we come up with some kind of excuse as to why that's not a good use of our money because they're going to go get drugs or buy alcohol or something else they're not going to use it for food you know do do we come up with those excuses that rationale for for why it's better for us not to help them or or when we see someone stranded on the side of the highway and we're driving by and we're like you know i could i could i could pull over and maybe help them but it's maybe it's not safe that's not a good place. There's probably better places to pull over. And I can't believe they broke down there. I mean, come on, you know. And uh, and so, you know, we say, nah, this, this probably isn't a good time. I've got my kids in the car. I don't really have tools to help them. And so we, we create these excuses, right, for why we why we go on. Okay, now, I'm once again, I'm, this is not me wagging my finger because I have driven past many people stranded on the side of the road before. This is all my experience, okay. Um, so I'm looking at some of you are like, why are you being so convicting, Jeremy? Speaking to myself is what I'm saying. Okay, so <laughs> when we when we look at the priest and the Levite, when 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 we're we're here, the text doesn't talk about the constraints that were actually on their lives. I know that there's a reality for for them that if they were if this man was actually dead and they didn't know if he was dead that he was wounded he could have been dead if they had touched this man that would rule them unclean they couldn't do the duties that they would be that they've been called to do at the temple they'd have to wait for 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 a week at least to be clarified clean and so you know by by passing this man ultimately their excuse is well I've got more work to do at the temple that's going to help more people so maybe maybe it's justified I don't want to say what their excuse is. In fact, the text doesn't say it either, so it's not good for us to speculate. But the reality is that that there are tons of things that that we can come up with that they possibly came up with to to create an excuse as to why they didn't help. And the point is this. Anytime we have an opportunity to help someone, there will always be complications for us to consider. There's going to be excuses for us that, that, that would make it um, better for us to, to pass a person on the side of the road rather than helping them. They're always going to be there. The priest found them. The Levite found them. The question for us is, are we going to find them? Are we going to let those excuses keep us from helping someone? 
Now, in this story, this is an interesting thing because as Jesus is setting up this story, he talks first, of course, about the priest and then the Levite. Now, within the temple structure, there was this hierarchy of people. The priest was kind of the, 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 the top echelon there, and then under him was the Levite. In the responsibilities that happened in the temple, priest was top, Levite was second, and there was a third tier, and that would have been like a Jewish layperson, okay? So as Jesus is telling this story, anyone who's listening expects this third person to be this Jewish layperson. That's who they expect to come along and see this wounded man on the side of the road, but Jesus doesn't use the Jewish layperson. Instead, he inserts a Samaritan. Now, the Jews and the Samaritans, many of you probably know this, they, there was a huge war going on between these two people because of, of how the Samaritans chose to understand God and worship God and where they worshiped him. The Jews really thought very little of the Samaritans. There was a lot of, um, you know, fighting between these two groups of people. And so, for, for the Samaritan to show up in this story, for Jesus to even use him as an example, the, the people who are listening, it would have been offensive to them to hear this. He is the ultimate non-neighbor in this story, okay? And, and so people who are listening to uh, Jesus tell this story, that, that there's this moment when, when they're probably like, whoa, I can't believe that you would bring a Samaritan into this story. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't the fact that, that uh, his race, that's not really what separated him from the priest or the Levite. The difference was actually how he acted. And this is really important for us today. Because the priest and the Levite, they chose to go out of their way to go around this wounded man. But the Samaritan, he went straight to the wounded man and he started to do, to help, to fix, to bandage, to, to soothe, to comfort, to, to transport and to care for. The differentiation between the priest and the Levite and then the Samaritan is the fact that the Samaritan chose to act regardless of what it could cost him. Here's the reality. For a Samaritan to have a Jewish man on his donkey going into a Jewish town, a naked Jewish man on top of that, could have cost the Samaritan his life. It was not a good thing. It was a very dangerous thing for him to do it, but he chose to do it anyway. He knew what it could cost him. Not only the resources that he invested in this man but even just the, the challenge of, of how people would perceive him when he went into to Jerusalem. So here's this Samaritan. And, and, and I think it's, it's amazing because as, as this lawyer is talking to Jesus and he asks this question, who, you know, who is my neighbor? Jesus never answers his question, does he? Instead, he, he flips it upside down and he poses this question back to the man. Which of these three was a neighbor to the man? Now, now, John MacArthur, he said, instead of asking who qualifies to be your neighbor, let's talk about the quality in which you love. If you're even asking the question of who qualifies for my love, then you can't fulfill the commandment that God has given to you. It's not about who qualifies it's about the character of your love. So the question for any of us who want to honor Jesus at his word, the question for any of us who, who want to join in with Quest and this mission of relationships, you know, going out beyond the doors of this church, the, the question is, is, is how do I love others with quality? Now here's a few thoughts that have helped me in this endeavor. And once again, I, I, and I want to be really clear here, 
I believe in this because I think that we are all surrounded by people who desperately need to understand the love and the care and the ministry of God. How, how wonderful it is as I've seen families transformed and changed and supported by having a relationship with God and having a relationship with, with people who follow God. It's really beautiful to look around this church and see the support and the care that people have for us. I've seen it wildly in the last couple of weeks and it's really powerful and, and I, I love our church because of it. In fact, when, when Alexis and I joined this church nine years ago, ten years ago, we, we said we're, we are committed to make this place a place where we're going to serve. We're going to care. We want to raise our kids with people that we love and that we can support. And so we, we dove in real fast to, to serving. And, and I'm not trying to pat us on the back. There's actually um, there's a point here that I want to make. You know, as we as we led Bible studies and small groups and and cared for others who were having need, it changed real fast for us. Like that was a very natural thing for us to do. But then once we had Lofton, which was pretty quick once we joined the church here, once we had Lofton, then we had Lillian and then we had Lorelai and we had some health stuff that happened. And we watched as the church started to support us. And it was a really humbling experience. We did not understand how to receive care. In fact, it changed the way that we understood relationships. Up until that point, we thought of relationships as something that we could accomplish. It was, it truly was a mission and, and it was, that was an unhealthy view of how relationships should, should work. Relationships ultimately should be a give and take. Where, where we certainly help others, we serve others, we care for others, but they also get to pour back into our lives and we get to experience that kindness and that care and, and quite frankly, we get to experience it with humility and, and, um, and that was such a beautiful thing and this church is so good at it. I, I do, I, I'm so proud of our church. I think that what we're doing here is, is amazing and, and if you are new to Quest, and you don't have those relationships, I want to encourage you so, so deeply to, to find me or some other staff after the service and say, how can I find these relationships? Because this is what makes all of this worth it, is when we walk down this faith journey with other people who can pray for us, who can care for us, who we can do that same thing with. And, and so if you're, if you're looking for something like that, let me tell you, this is the place to find it, first of all. But second, I want to help you find those relationships. So, sorry, that was just a little bit of a plug. I'm just, I'm really proud of us. I think we're, we're great. But here's the thing. To get into those relationships and, and have them really matter, it takes a level of commitment between the people who are in it, right? We, we have to be willing to go deep in relationships and, and willing to share of ourselves in ways that are uncomfortable. Some of you know this about me because you've been to my home and uh like i i it's it's hard you guys will know this most of you it's really hard to keep a house clean when you have three children under the age of eight right yeah and it's really hard and i invite people to come over to our house and and there are rooms in my house that i don't want people to go into because that's where the messiness is right you know like oh no no don't go there that's private <laughs> here's the public space. You hang out here. This is where, where you're invited to come to the bathroom. We only have one. So you get what you get in that space. But 
you know, like, like I, I there's this, there's this like separation that I have. And quite frankly, I'm going to be really honest here. I, I have this in my spiritual life too, where publicly, you know, the, the places where everything is shiny and happy, I'm really good to let people see that. But there are also some spaces that I like to keep private because I'm not really comfortable sharing some of my doubts and frustrations and confusion. But the reality is, in life with relationships where we want to do them well, we have to be willing to open up those private spaces and go and let people experience those with us. We have to share those places with other people in order for it to be meaningful and real and transformative. Okay. I had a friend that invited me over to his house for dinner. This was a while back and, and this is the first time I ever experienced this. And I was, I was really taken aback. In fact, I was embarrassed for him in some of these moments. So he, he invited me over and I'd never been to his house before. And he, he was, he was showing me all the different spaces in his house. And I mean, every space, all the closets, all the bathrooms, the laundry rooms, storage rooms, all those kinds of stuff. And they were not clean. He also had three children under eight. And like, as he's showing me, he could, he's like, here, can I show you our master bedroom and here's the closet and i'm like whoa you got dirty clothes everywhere you know like that's not for me to see going to the bathroom there's makeup and everything all over the counter and, and i'm thinking you know this is what are you doing like this is i'm embarrassed for you why are you showing me this but as i was reflecting on it later i thought you know that that was that was so significant because he wasn't ashamed of who he was and it allowed me to know him on a much deeper level and to get real with him. And I think that's what we have to do in relationships with others is we have to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, even when it's uncomfortable. So this is probably the biggest challenge that I'm, I'm going to talk about today. And, and, and I want to ask you a question about, so we, we have great relationships. I think this church is doing it really well, but I want to, I want to challenge you guys with this intentionality of relationships. And we're talking about our neighbor. We're essentially looking at it from the perspective of the lawyer, like who is our neighbor? Now, when the lawyer asked that he was ultimately trying to confine Jesus to, to talk about who's in and who's out. Right. But Jesus ultimately was saying, no, everyone is your neighbor. And even, even the outcasts, the social pariahs, those people are your neighbors. And so what, what I want us to think about is, is how are we intentionally seeking out the relationships in our lives in, in the spaces that we're not really, you know, like aren't normal relationships. Of course, we have our family relationships, right? We have our neighborhood relationships. We have our, our, like the activities that our, you know, our kids are in those, those relationships are, are normal and natural for us. But where are those places where we have other relationships that are uncommon? And are we intentionally thinking about those people as our neighbors who should and, and could experience the power and the, and the work of God in their lives through us? After all, that's what we're, we're called to. I've found that in my own life, when I think about this and I'm intentional about it, my faith grows. It's challenging, but my faith grows. And, and I would say that for you, if you're looking for a way to grow your faith, then, then think about those places where you have uncommon, unnatural relationships and, and think about sharing the love of God in those places. I have a, a friend that um, I see 
about twice a month. He's my barber. You may not believe me that I see him about twice a month when you look at my hair, but I, I do. And I, I call him my friend because we, we have a, a pretty open relationship. When I sit in his chair, we talk about stuff. He knows I'm a pastor here. I've invited him to come to Quest before he, he's never taken me up on it. But, you know, like we've talked about some of the things in his life and, and my life that are, that are difficult. And, and I, I've sat in his chair when he was opening up about some of the struggles that he and his wife were having. I, I've, I've shared some of my life with him. And, and it was interesting because there was this moment when, um, this was a couple of months ago, and he started to share. He said, hey, Jeremy, I want to I tell you something. I started going to church recently, and I recommitted my life to Christ. And I was floored. I was like, wow, how awesome it is that this, this guy who, I mean, technically we're strangers. We really don't know each other very well. But he's comfortable enough to share with me this really significant moment in his life. And, I, and I'm not saying this to brag at all. I'm just, I'm using as an example about like, how do we find these uncommon relationships in our lives where we can be vulnerable and real and authentic with those people and have natural conversations about our faith. I have another one. This is kind of a funny story. I regularly, like throughout the month, I'll go to this uh, restaurant, uh, usually on Tuesdays at lunch. And I try and sit in the same section so that I can get the same waitress. And we have a relationship happening. This is if you're wondering why I'm a little overweight, it's because I eat at Roosters about once a week, and, and I'm, I'm doing it all for the glory of God, okay? So it's, I mean, like, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> well, so I, I sit in this, in this gal's section, and, and I, you know, she knows I'm a pastor, and, and she's watched me pray before meals. By the way, blessing fried chicken is not really a blessing at all. We've talked about real things in life. We, we've talked about her kids and my kids and, and, and we've break, I say we because it's usually Greg and I that go on Tuesdays. So that's also why he looks like he's out of shape too. I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone. Actually, he's not. He's never, anyway. It was funny. A couple of uh, weeks ago, it was a Tuesday and, and I thought I need to eat a little bit healthier. So I'm going to skip roosters and we went over to Asian taste so we could get different fried chicken. And we, uh, <laughs> we, we parked right in front of Roosters, and then we walked over to Asian Taste and had our meal and came back out, got into our car, and this waitress, she came out of the restaurant and started scolding us for not eating at her table. And, and I, I was just like, that is, that's so wonderful, because here, I mean... <laughs> Because we, we, this person like cares about us and we care about her and, and we want her to experience the love of God. And I, for me, this is the challenge that I have. Like I look around the room right now and I see so many wonderful people and I, and I, I think you guys are so great at caring for each other. I think we are a church that does so well at caring for each other and loving for each other. But I want to challenge us. If we believe that relationships are the mission, then we have to believe that not just about the relationships that are in this room, right? We can't look around and say, this is exactly how I want this church to look. We have to say, no, we, we need to go and intentionally find more people who don't understand what it's like to be loved by God and cared for by God and say, we are going to intentionally seek new relationships and expand our circles so that God's glory can expand beyond this place. And that's the, the challenge that I have for us, for us to think about the neighbors that are maybe uncommon. So we're, we're about to um, receive communion here in, in a moment. And, you know, we, we celebrate communion. We have an open table here at Quest, which means that 
that, that everyone is invited to come and, and partake in communion. Communion is about, it's an opportunity for us to remember the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross. That his body was broken for us, for our sins. That his blood was shed for us on the cross so that we could be forgiven and brought back into right relationship with God. And so we come and we remember that. We remember the goodness and the, and the gift of Christ. And today, as, as you come to receive communion, I, I want you to, to ask yourself this question. As you're waiting in line to receive it, I want you to ask yourself, who am I in this story? Am I like the priest or the Levite? Am I like the Samaritan? Or am I, am I like the lawyer who is just satisfied with, with reciting the law, but maybe not really living it out? Just ask yourself that question and, and, and allow God to speak to you in, in the moment. And I, I encourage you to be challenged by God as he says, the best way to love me is by loving your neighbor. Church, that's what I want for us. I want us to be a church that, that opens up our doors and says, this is a place for everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or who you are or, or what you've done. You can experience the love the mercy, the grace, the gift of God. And we want to show you what that's like. So I want to invite you to come so that we can receive communion. Let me, let me pray for us and bless the table. And then we'll continue to worship with communion. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift that you've given us. We remember the good things that you've done in our lives, the way that you have provided for us and, and cared for us and, and, and loved us. We're thankful for the community of people that we have surrounding us who, who demonstrate your love so wildly and passionately to us. Lord, thank you for that. God, I pray that, that we would be people who want to open the doors wide to this place and intentionally expand our circles to invite new neighbors in. God, we thank you for your son who died on the cross, who gave his life as a sacrifice so that every single person could experience your love and mercy if they would just receive it as a gift. So God, as we receive communion today, I pray that we would be blessed remembering that. And I pray that it would charge us to go and to share your love in wild and passionate and crazy ways to the people around us. Let us be people of action rather than inaction. Let us be like the Samaritan man. So God, I pray that you'd be glorified as we continue to worship this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you're loving Quest Podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, and what God is doing here, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest 
www.thepeopleofgod.org. Thanks for listening.